hope the fight never dies. I'm your host, Nina. I'm your other host, Letha. And today we're covering Season 4, Episode 3, Then Learn Fly. Netflix synopsis. Kenny tries to become a student of Cobra Kai with some encouragement from Robbie, while Johnny urges Sam to take a leap of faith in herself. Heavy punning there. Yeah, I, I admire faith. that. I appreciate it. Okay, let's get into it. Um... So let's start with the opening montage, which yes. I loved. I love a good montage, and this is a great montage. Yeah, it's uh, it's great because you can just tell Johnny and Daniel have both kind of like taken the lessons from the last episode where they got to experiment. Uh, Johnny does crane kick. They're splitting food. It's just like really touching montage. Oh my god! Like yeah, so you see them like training their students. You see like Johnny taking a sip of beer during meditation time. You see like. You know, Johnny gives like Daniel half his sandwich, and Daniel Daniel's acting like sushi. he's never had a ham sandwich before. Right? It's a, it's it's pretty great. It's cute, and you know, can I just comment because we we did break our vow to like watch and review this season episode by episode because we basically binged the entire thing. Yeah, these are this is again once again confession time. Yeah, this is confession time. So like watching this again, like in light of the rest of the season, it's like. It is kind of what I thought this season would be more of, like like the Miyagi Fang dojo trying to get along, and, and, and that turns out to be less the case, but it's just really nice to see this. Yeah, and it's actually like it, um, the dinner scene, which I think immediately comes after that, that initial montage. Um, it's just interesting to see how much has changed, so I have to mention... Anthony Watch. Anthony Watch. The brief, the all too brief interactions between Johnny and Anthony where he's like, who the hell are you? Yep. It, like Anthony just, cause you know, uh, Johnny, now that he's like basically a friend of the family, like Johnny and Miguel and Carmen are over for dinner at Casa La Russo. Anthony walks in and, oh, so great. Who are you? Wait, are you the son? The son. It's just. It's totally fair. Yeah, totally fair. Um, I was looking at the blocking of that dinner and um, the way they film it. Anthony has been blocked out entirely. You can't see him. He wasn't on the set that day, was yeah, he? Uh, maybe he just eats in his room. Right? And man, it's our first Anthony Johnny interaction since like season one, which I think is their only other and interaction. And already Johnny is more welcome there. <laughs> but it's, it, yeah, it, it's great because they basically just like call each other pricks and then leave it at that. But man, one I day he's going to teach that kid karate, I can tell. <laughs> Do you think people look at Anthony and they immediately are like, you're not going to amount to much, kid. Well, I think that they're just like, like, I think, wait, are you the son encapsulates it per- perfectly. It's like, That's Daniel does have a son, but nobody sees him. And <laughs> Daniel doesn't love him. And here he is. That's true. And um, at that dinner scene, you kind of get a hint at Daniel's grand vision for Sam, which she's going to go to USC, get her MBA, and then run the dealership. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sam's like, yeah, okay. When, meanwhile, Miguel is dreaming of going to Stanford, but it's sort of obvious that, like, his mom doesn't have the money for it, and she's kind of pushing community college a bit. And while they're talking about this, and meanwhile, we also learn that Miguel has, like, straight A's at school and everything, nerd. Um, he spills his wine on Daniel and, like, is, like, far too upset about it. And it, that almost reminded me. I'd forgotten until that moment, like, oh, yeah, Daniel's his girlfriend's father. Right. 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 So, I mean, it, I'm shocked. Do you think he's made Miguel eat uh, sushi? Oh, like he did to Kyler? Right. Maybe. I mean, after Kyler, Miguel's got to be looking pretty good. Right? right? <laughs> yeah, so Miguel wants to go to Stanford. His mom wants him to go to community college. So, like, I like the kind of hints at, like, the class issues with Miguel. 
which we'll touch on a little bit later. And we, uh, we do get in this episode, both Johnny and, Mag- and ah, Johnny and Daniel decide to switch students for like a couple of lessons. So Johnny's going to take the Miyagi Do's, Daniel's going to take the Eagle Fangs, you assume hilarity will ensue. Which one do you want to cover first? Let's do Daniel's lesson. Okay, uh, yeah. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, of course. Um, which is basically they're hunting koi, which sounds bad. They're trying to catch koi. There are a bunch of real koi in that koi pond. And uh, yeah, the challenge is to catch them with your bare hands. Uh, my husband walked through the room while we were watching this scene, just a troll. And his response was, koi have feelings and memories, you know. Um, I'm sure, I, I mean, they've been traumatized for like four seasons now. Like... Kids falling on them constantly. Yeah, take place in or around this koi pond. Yeah, no, these koi have learned to be afraid. And do you think it's weird that nobody? It doesn't occur to anybody to just get into the koi pond. Like even as an initial, they're like hunched over the edge of this pond. Yeah, they're on like the platform, swiping the water. Yeah, and it's yeah, trying to catch fish with their bare hands. Miguel like accidentally falls in, but that doesn't like inspire him to to do that until the end of the episode, of course. I mean, I think they're trying to say. You know, Daniel, like, Daniel is a long game lesson. Like, his lessons take a while to sink in. But sometimes I think he's just saying shit. And he's got these two props. And, you know, if something happens to Koi Pond, like, I don't know, some Dynatox <laughs> chemicals fall in and the Koi die, he's got nothing. It's true. He's always trying to play Koi with his lessons. Oh, God. Love no, that. I, I feel bad about Too that soon. one. I'm sorry. We can edit that Not out later. Not bad enough. Um, um, but, of course, Miguel will only learn the secret to catching Koi after he spends, like, some one-on-one time with Daniel, and Daniel gives him a speech. So, like, uh, the pretense behind this is, like, Miguel's mom is having car trouble. Daniel, like, sends somebody to tow it, but, like, gives Miguel a ride to the garage and basically teaches him how to fix cars and gives him, like, a life lesson about... Uh, well, actually, this was fun because he references his own weird career path. You know, Miguel's lamenting going to community college. Daniel's like, I didn't go to college at all, actually. I, uh, took my college fund, spent it in Karate Kid 2 on that trip to Okinawa that Miyagi did not want me going on, but I did anyway. I mean, the real lesson is you can't accept a ride from Daniel without expecting right? a Miyagi lesson. Oh, and then, like, he comes back. Oh, he, he had more money than he than he left with because he won, like, an ice-breaking competition in Okinawa. But then Karate Kid 3 happens, and he spends it all on that bonsai store. Um, <laughs> I love that scene. I like, know. I love that because it's, like, taking some of the stupider plot points and actually turning it into not a terrible lesson. But I mean, life it is, is kind of like Daniel, Daniel addresses it like it was a youthful lark, which, again, we, we know that he was in his 30s when he filmed the Karate Kid <laughs> yeah. movies. But you know what? He was just like, I wanted to be there for Miyagi, and... You know what? Miyagi's not around anymore to be like, I didn't need that from you, Daniel. I was trying to connect with my own girl, my old girlfriend, and <laughs> you were you there just get... cock-blocking. And, but... and then he goes, oh, and he, you invested the money from the ice-breaking contest into the, into the car dealership. Um, and he's like, no, I wasted that on the bonsai store. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty great. Like, I love when the show, like, references its history, but, like... I will never know enough about this bonsai store. Right? Miyagi's little trees. What, when did it go bankrupt? Um, i pull up the records. Yeah, but Daniel's way of connecting all of this is that his life has not been a straight path, which is, you know, like I said, not a bad lesson for all of, like, that pontificating. And sometimes life's a circle. Of course, Miguel takes applies this lesson to the pond 
when they're trying to catch Koi, because he, he gets into the water of his own free will this time. He gets everybody else to join him in the water. They kind of circle around the platform, hurting the Koi, hurting them. Who have feelings. Yeah, they have feelings and memories, but now they're terrified of this circle of students, so they like kind of like huddle under the platform. Miguel grabs one with his bare hands, thus giving it PTSD for the rest of its life. That's if it didn't die. Right. Right. I mean, maybe just like Miguel's touch is enough to like shock its sensibilities. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he wins, and I think what he wins like for the for the week is he gets to like co-teach lessons with Daniel, which means he what gets a, to wear a Daniel a bandana. I know. So wait, question for you: Why do you think that Daniel is taking an, a special interest in Miguel? Well, I know. I'm just saying, why not Penis Breath or any of the other guys? Right? Or even his own son, for God's <laughs> sakes. Daniel will do anything not to mentor his own son. Because I didn't quite put together that he he gave the headband to Miguel like as a kind of like special student of the week. I thought, like, does he just have like a box of these headbands? And he's giving them to every go? student. Or has he never given it out until this moment and all it took was Miguel catching McCoy? <laughs> I'd like to think that it's because like Miguel is like going to be co-teaching with him because that's the prize he won but like you know johnny walks in at the end of that scene and i he's like what the hell because you know seeing your prize student and you know fake son fake karate son being crowned with a headband by like your mortal enemy who also kind of like took your own son away that's gotta hurt hey we're we're getting an inkling of what robbie might have felt season one when he watched johnny hand his his gi to 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 Miguel. This show is, I, I say this with great admiration, this show is so ridiculous. Like, half the conflicts are not at all about, like, you know, like, love interests. They're mainly about, like, weird father-son dynamics. And it's good because they do it so well. They do it so um, well, and you get, like, you know, and they do it in, like, so many permutations. Like, you, you had, like, Robbie and Daniel and Johnny, and now you've got Miguel. And, like, eventually, like, the season, you'll have, like, Miguel and Robbie, like, kind of fighting over uh, Johnny's fatherhood. It's But like, what you're insane. really saying is you can't see anyone fighting over penis breath. I mean, the real question here is, like, where's Anthony in this equation? You've got two fathers <laughs> and two sons. The actual biological son of Daniel, nowhere to be found. Just saying. They're out there getting creased, or about to be creased. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, do you feel like Miguel is actually like, I don't know, do you think he's getting something from Daniel that he wasn't really getting in terms of like parental attention or whatever from Johnny? Because I feel like Johnny is committed to that relationship. So what do you think that Daniel brings to the table? Oh man. I mean like. Besides weird coy lessons. Daniel and Miguel, like, obviously from the get-go, like, Miguel reminds you of, like, a young Daniel from Karate Kid 1. And, like, I guess, very, like, logically, they'd be the better fit for a father-son relationship. Of course, at this point, I'm, like, so invested in, like, the Johnny-Miguel relationship that I'm just like, Daniel, God, get your own student for once. (laughs) Like, don't you have kids? Jesus. Um, But, yeah, no, I I get it. Like, they're, they're, they're sort of, like, similar... They're, they're in, in that sense. See, what the show is trying to say is if you're disappointed in your children, you can always have tryouts for more. Right? That's what I'm getting from this, definitely. Like, yeah. you don't have to be stuck with the son or daughter that God gave you. Like, I mean, adoption takes forever in the real world. Just open up a dojo yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, see if, like, there's a kid where you're like, you know, me and this kid, like, we vibe way better than me and my own son who sucks. <laughs> um, so that, that I, I do like that lesson from the show. And, like, also, getting, oh, this is a good segue. So Johnny taking the Miyagi-Dos, 
he brings them all to this rooftop, uh, and he wants them to jump from, like, one roof to another roof. And it's kind of a showcase, actually, for him and Sam, which is cool, because it's like, I don't feel like I've ever seen those two talk before. And she is already, like, a thousand percent more likable just being in the same frame as Johnny. Right. It's kind of crazy. And, like, suddenly she's, it's like she's allowed to, like, grow a personality. And I, I do think it's, like, it's always nice when you see characters, like, paired up who just usually aren't. And, I, yeah, I, I like that they, they finally did this. But first things first, what did you think about the roof jumping challenge? I mean, sometimes this is where I was like, okay, the cement mixer was one thing, but like, you would think Johnny would have a little bit more restraint after what happened to Miguel. Right. Like, right? Like, you almost paralyze somebody. Like, do you want to just kill a few more kids? I know. It's like the the rooftops are not close together as, wait, I wrote this down because it's super important. Um, as Dimitri says, like, they are 14 nates up and the rooftops are about five nates apart. Nate being uh, the Asian kid who we used to refer to as Asian kid because I swear he really did not have a name until this episode. Although we got a Twitter comment. Right. I think Jim from Twitter helpfully corrected us. Thank you, Jim. Um, Also mentioned that he was referred to as Nate in the video game, Mm -hmm. which now makes me think about what a Cobra Kai video game is. Right. And why aren't we playing it right now? I mean, is there an entire level, like, where you're just washing cars? (laughs) And you have to, like, wash a giant car to get out of Miyagi-Do. I don't know. I hope so. Tweet at us, guys. I'm very curious. Yeah, so apparently the video game, like, clarified that his name was Nate, but I will bet my life that this is the first time in the show that he has ever been given a name, so I I was happy for Nate. Look. I, I I don't want to call him Asian kid every episode. She does, episode. guys. She does. But, yeah. uh, well, um, but, but yeah, he they are they are fifteen nates up, which is pretty high. And yeah, I, I agree with you. And that I was kind of like the cement mixer was dangerous, but like it made more sense. Also, where did there was like three mattresses sort of haphazardly laid on the floor, and I was like, where did you even get these mattresses from? Like they look dirty and gross yeah it's like he stole them from a crack den and somebody's gonna miss him you know that's not right and yeah as it also i want to say this about both daniel and johnny's challenges for like their opposite dojos neither of them have anything to do with karate like seriously like neither of them would prepare you for a competition like i know it's interesting because we've all often talked about business crease and business crease has his thinking hat on and he's he's laser focused on the all valley I'm not sure why anyone of these adults cares so much about this competition, but you know what? Kreese is taking it seriously in a way that yeah, Johnny he's and Daniel are not. Training his kids in karate. Um, meanwhile, like Daniel's like, now you know how to catch catch fish with your hands and, and Johnny's challenge is basically like, do you like wanna make a really dangerous jump from one roof to another? I mean nobody does, so it's like it seems like they spend all day just like hanging out on the roof. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I guess Sam has a point. We don't see this often. But, you know, I can understand kids not wanting to break their neck. But what I really like is that um, Johnny just kind of calls her out. Like, the thing I love about Johnny is that he's not not averse to getting into a teen's face. He's okay with yelling at Anthony. He's okay with yelling at Sam. And I think, like, it's good because no one else does that. I know. It's like, you know, she's like up there questioning his judgment fair point sam but then you know he turns it around and is like do you have great judgment remember when you uh you and your friends crashed your car into mine and just kind of left me there remember when you showed up at my house drunk and didn't tell anybody and like your dad knocked down my door Fucking and finally yeah someone's saying it yeah somebody's saying it and nobody was ever saying that to sam so and her response 
And again, you're right. I liked her so much more in this scene than I usually do because her response is also pretty fair where she's like, I'm a teenager. I have bad judgment. You're a 50-year-old man who lives alone, drinks a lot, and can't get his life together. You know, good points all. Yeah. But Johnny's response to that was nice too where he's just like, he's not like denying it. He's not mad at her about like saying that. He's just like, yeah, sure, but like, you know, if I'd done everything my parents told me to do, I would be working some nine-to-five job, wearing a suit and tie, and hating my life. And instead, like, he does, after all of this, he has a job that he likes. He likes teaching kids. So, yeah. And, she, and he, he said something about Sam that we have said on this podcast, which is that she sits in the backseat of her own life. Yes. Oh, that was so good. Because somebody needed to tell her that. And it's weird, because I feel like it actually sort of registers for her, mm-hmm. because... Um, I think she looks at a text that she gets from Daniel. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And finally, some like hint of teen rebellion is is creeping in there. So, I mean, I would have liked if she had just like had the agency to act on her own instead of being like incepted by some adult. But you know, I think she. I mean, I think she needed that. And okay, can I get like really, really uh... do it? All right, I'm gonna get douchey and I'm gonna get philosophical, but. I think one of the themes of this season, which I really like, because I feel like this was kind of what the show was getting at, but it kind of got away for this for like a couple seasons, is that like, it's not that like Miyagi-Do is the good dojo and Cobra Kai is the bad dojo, it's that they each have their own strengths and weaknesses, and like one of the things that is good about Cobra Kai is that like, it is kind of like the in-your-face dojo, and it's not for every kid. Like Dimitri like probably wouldn't have gone very far like under under like the tutelage of a johnny or crease but like for certain kids maybe like sam somebody who kind of needs to be jolted into into taking action like that it's good for her and like you can definitely see that like where um miguel like he takes to miyagi-do style like pretty easily like he if he had started out in miyagi-do he would have been great there but like I get the feeling that, like, yeah, Sam, like, you know, she's just always, like, Daniel views her as a little mini-me, and it's just kind of, like, basically never allowed her to be her own person, and, like, I think it's, like, good for her to have, like, this, like, you know, 50-year-old loser man, like, in her face, being, like, you're in the backseat of your life. So you're saying Anthony is the lucky one, because he's not burdened by Daniel's expectations. No, in a sense, Yeah. I mean, no one's expecting Anthony to go to USC and get his MBA, damn it. Yeah, nobody's like, everybody's like, Anthony's here? What? Oh, you're the son. Did he come in? <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you definitely like, yeah, I, I liked seeing Johnny and Sam together. I kind of, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but like they do have like some more moments this season. I almost wish there was just like more of it because like Sam is just more interesting when she's finally taken out of like, you know, flirting with a boy or talking to her dad. Yeah, and I mean, to the extent that her and Miguel have any scenes, it's just like they're slid into like year three of their relationship or something where it's like they're dating and it's not a big deal. And Yeah. And and we don't miss the drama, to be honest. Yeah, I don't miss the drama. I mean, do I think that they have like a ton of chemistry? They're those couples that are going to break up when they go to college. Yeah, no, that's right. They're kind of expiration dating, which is is okay. They seem fine. (laughs) Um... Which we've also said about Carmen and Johnny, to be honest, right? Yeah, oh it's yeah. It's all tied to Miguel graduating. This is definitely, yeah, this is actually like a, kind of a coda to like the uh, the Johnny and Sam subplot. Where he and Carmen, if you recall, like had kind of agreed to take things slower in the previous episode. But like, 
you know, after he, he does his lesson, he comes home, and I like this, he hears his own pep talk in his head. Sure. About As we all take do. A leaf. Yeah, sure, I hear my pep talks all the time. And so that's what causes him to go to Carmen, basically declare his love for her. He doesn't want to take it slow. He doesn't want to sit in the back seat. He's ready to take a leap. Eh. What'd you think? I mean, I'm just, Carmen is just a giant question mark of a human being. She's not annoying. She's not anything, really. She's like a complete blank slate. And But I think it's kind of amusing that when she opened the door, her first words are like, yo, Miguel isn't here. Yeah. She knows on some level that the real draw is mm-hmm. Miguel. It's and the a fake son. It's not you. And, you know, I... I think it would be interesting, like, for Carmen's character to sort of, like, you know how, like, certain shows will pick a, a character to follow through their journey for an episode? If we ever get a Carmen-centered episode, which I don't think we will, like, you can see her, like, pulling a double ship at, at the hospital and, like, you know, hoping that Johnny will get in touch with her. And whenever he does, it's like a text about Miguel. And she's <laughs> like, fuck it. <laughs> like, I'm more I'm, than just my I'm son. I'm tired of competing with my son for your affection. <laughs> I think that's relatable. Um, anyway, like her, it, it's played as a romantic moment because her family is like watching, but it doesn't feel earned where it's like, I think they did something similar at the end of season three when he made his big declaration to her and they hooked up. But now I'm just, they're kind of treading water to me. They do end up like making a lot of big declarations like in lieu of like actually doing like relationshipy stuff. I mean, the thing is, I don't mind it because I'm like, well, you know, Johnny seems happy, cool. But like... Yeah, I, I don't understand what they talk about. Um, they, Carmen seems very nice, and I think what they have in common is that they both love Miguel. Um, but does that make a relationship? I yeah, mean, maybe. they don't really expressly talk about that, right? Because it would be kind of awkward to be like, I don't know, there's much glue here. And... Right. And you know what? Show, if you want to like kind of paper over that, that's all right. You know, sometimes it's just, like, nice to, to see Johnny be happy. And, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, you know, I will say, like, we're getting some more shading for the other female characters on the show, like, welcome shading, as we've seen the season now. Um, Carmen, you know, maybe season seven or whatever is when <laughs> Carmen breaks bad. You're right. And, like, you get the Carmen episode <laughs> you've been waiting for, America. Right. Um... Okay, should we move on to Kenny's plotline? Yes. What do you think? Yes, let's do it. So little Kenny, who we last saw being catfished brutally by Anthony Russo, um, he's looking for a karate mentor of his own, and he's decided it's Robbie. Yes, yeah, brother uh, tipped him off that uh, Robbie at Cobra His brother Sean. Yeah, his brother Sean, what's, ah, what's his Sean last Payne. name? Yeah, Sean Payne. No longer Juvie Bully. No, no, he, he has, has a name. name. Um, and it's... You know, I like this. I love that they made this kid related to, like, Sean Payne, who was not a huge character, but, like, was Robbie's juvie bully, who he eventually came to sort of, like, uh, a weird, respectful understanding with. And I, I like that when Kenny pops up at the dojo and, like, you know, Crease is like, what the hell, get out. Like, you know, Robbie's like, no, no, okay, you're, you're Sean's little brother. Sean used to kick my ass. He was a tough dude. And it's just like, Again, he Robbie, looks wistful. It's kind of cute. Robbie needs some real friends. I mean, if you're wistfully thinking about the time, <laughs> you got brutally beaten down in juvenile hall. I mean. That's how you and I met. Sure. I mean, and I remember it fondly. Do I wish I could do this podcast with someone who hadn't kicked my ass? <laughs> also, yes. Um, but that's just who Robbie is. And honestly, this is the turning point for me. Like, mm-hmm. Robbie is, um, I was just, I mean, we can sort of, like, talk through Kenny's plotline. But, you know, 
Robbie does end up mentoring him and, and teaching him some karate. And already, it's already more actionable advice about how to do karate and use your strengths than like three or four seasons of Johnny and Daniel's karate right? guidance, right? He's, He's a good like, teacher and it's... Also, like, the most I have ever liked Robbie. Uh, it's he's pulled just... back. He's like, hey, fine. Like, I'm not... <laughs> I love when he, you know, he goes to Kenny's house and uh, it's like... We should probably say that, like, Kenny, w- when he came to Cobra Kai, like, Kreese was like, well, you gotta, like... I love Pass it. Pass the test. Kreese as a gatekeeper. Seriously. It's like, Kreese, how do you get any students? Like, how do you write this place open? Tori is not paying dues. Mm-hmm. They've got like six to seven. Maybe Kyler. Is paying all the dues? I know. Kyler comes from a rich family and he's just carrying this dojo. Maybe. Like, because otherwise it's like, you can't just turn students. You're a business in a strip mall, dude. But anyways. Maybe it's all bluster. Like, he was always going to let him in. But he has to like jump him in yeah of course kyler is like his enforcer right so kyler like kyler doesn't really need to beat him up because as soon as kyler approaches him on the mat like kenny like runs um and so you know kenny's like told he's like too much of a a weakling to be part of the dojo he goes home and robbie shows up at his house with his backpack which he left behind in his haste to leave i know and you know i like that robbie there's no eagle metaphors. There's no detours no. into Miyagi. Yeah, and he, he at first is like, I can't be your tutor, man. Like, I, I got to compare for the All Valley. But then, like, right when he's standing there, Kenny gets, like, a text that is, like, a video of something that I presume happened to him in school that day. Like, he opens his locker and a bunch of milk comes out. I don't, I don't feel like Anthony's smart enough to rig that. Do yeah, you? that's like actually... I look at those bullies and I think not a single one of you is smart enough to do this. No, not at all. I mean, it's kind of hard to like get the milk rigged that way so it doesn't leak out of the I locker I can see Anthony paying it. like a contractor to do it. Yeah, no, I could see that, definitely. He would definitely delegate that task. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that, that improbable act of bullying is what, like, you know, you see... And like, the actor who plays Robbie, I think, has also like really come along a lot because there's just like something good about his face at that moment where he's like, all right, I got to be your tutor now. We're going to do this thing. And it's it's very, it's not it's not over the top. It's subtle. I feel like everyone at some point in the show will get pressed into being a karate mentor. And you know what? It is Robbie's is moment. The, yeah, it's the most interesting Robbie has ever been. So good for you, Robbie. I and can't believe that we're saying that. I know. And like, you're right that his lesson, free of any animal metaphors, like, basically, he's like trying to, you know, get Kenny to take a fighting stance. Kenny, like, is just kind of, like, shrinks back and runs. And, you know, Kenny is like, look, my brother was big and strong. I'm just fast. Or all I'm good at, or all I can do is run. And Robbie, like, his actionable advice is just like, all right, you're fast. Well, maybe you got to use that. Maybe you got to run at your enemies instead of run away from them. And, you know, we've established that Kenny's pretty quick when he was, like, running away from Anthony LaRusso's very slow-jogging bully squad. So, you know, I got it. I buy it. (laughs) Um, you mean he didn't tell Kenny balance is the key? Ugh. Or, like, make him wash cars or, you know, talk about eagle things. He's just, like... Robbie wasted an opportunity to have a free unpaid intern, I'm just saying. I know. But, you know, that's, but, a, that's a lesson you learn with age. Um, also, like, what's neat about this is, like, Kenny comes back to the dojo for, like, round two. He he wants to beat his way in. Um, Chris allows him to get in the ring with Kyler to give him, like, another shot. And what I liked about this was that, like, you know, Kyler approaches Kenny and Kenny runs away again. Like, because he's a kid and he's had, like, one lesson with Robbie. So, no, he's not, like, suddenly kicking ass or anything. But when Kyler's back is turned, 
everybody else is like kind of laughing at this kid and Kenny kind of sees red and he runs up to Kyler and he punches him in the face. Um, well, not the face. I don't know. He punches him when basically Kyler's like back is turned. Um, and this is like a, and I think Tori comments like, Oh, the kid's fast, but like, it's also not like shown like Kenny's like suddenly good. Kenny's just like, kind of like went all aggro for a moment and like punched a guy whose back was turned. And that's enough. That's enough for Chris. Yeah. Chris, Chris is like, you know what? I, I respect that. So, um, no, we're getting not that many Cobra metaphors this season so far. Yeah, it's Kreese, a little disappointing. Crease is very pulled back because um, his uh his attentions are focused elsewhere. If you want elsewhere, to talk about this plot, okay. Finally, um, have we talked? Yeah. All right, it's silver time, guys. Enough bullshitting around with these other plots. We know what Nina's actually here for. <laughs> we open. Once again, to Casa Terry Silver, where the man is being served a beautiful tray of creme brulee. For and breakfast. For breakfast. No. So decadent. I mean, that was weird. Like, I, I love that scene, especially the little details that I noticed on Second Watch. For instance, Terry is, like, looking at his iPad and listening to news about the stock market in Japan in Japanese. Um... I mean, he went to Japan to learn, uh, learn his karate. Did he? Yeah, because okay. Remember in Karate Kid Part Three when he comes to the oh, backyard? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said he studied a, under, under the same sensei. Right, right. Oh, that wasn't like an elaborate lie. That was true. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. He, he has karate bona fides. Okay, more yeah. so than even Daniel. Well, in in that case, you know, I respect it. Carice, like is like I I believe. Either speaks Japanese or just has some subtitles going on, but whatever. Like he's a cultured man. He gets served creme brulee for breakfast, which is and he's strange. also like we get a lot of backstory, which we can get into. But like he's a rich kid and he has the resources to go, you know, learn some Japanese and yeah. dabbling in the stock market. We also note that he is probably ghosting Cheyenne because his his manservant or whatever asked if Cheyenne will be joining, and he was he's like no. No, not this morning. And, yeah, so you also, like, get the sense, like, Kreese is pretty nice to his manservant. You know, not Kreese, sorry. Silver's pretty nice to his manservant. He seems like a more chillaxed guy than we're used to. Even when, like, the... I should stop calling him the manservant. Um, Even when his cook, like, you know, he's, like, uh, using a lighter to to finish the creme brulee. And... He's triggered. Yeah, he's, Silver's he's triggered. right back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. He's remembering, like, being in the Cobra Pit. Or not being in the Cobra Pit, because, like, uh, Kreese saved him from that. And just all the trauma. I and, love the young Silver. Yeah, young Silver's great. It just, it's interesting, because it's like, you feel like this guy living in his beachside mansion, eating his creme brulee for breakfast, is like, sort of put all that behind him. And then it's like... You got at least I got the impression that he has not been triggered like that in years, and it's all fucking Crease's fault. Am I right? He said he was in therapy, right? And like and he's he had... dealt with his issues, and then but suddenly I they're think... all like rushing back. I guess he's dealt with his issues, but maybe not the Crease issue, which is always maybe like burning just under the surface. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, there's a lot of burning under the surface in interactions. He comes to see Crease in the dojo, uh, and it's, oh, it's very spurned loverish, isn't it? It is the, like, in rom-coms, it's the enemies-to-lover trope, right? Where you're like, I hate you, I hate you too, 
And oh. then suddenly you run to each other. And then you're making out. And I, I honestly, like, part of me was like, is that is that going to happen? Like, he comes to the dojo wearing his khakis, um, you know, Kreese is in, like, his full, like, Cobra Kai regalia, and he's like, Kreese, you messed with my head. You knew what you were doing to me, man. Um, and, you know, he, like, Kreese is like, you're just an old man, last chapter of your life, clinging to some bullshit happy ending, but I know who you really are. Um, and they get closer and closer together, and Kreese is just like, you miss this, don't you? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then he's like, you could have gone to hundreds of other senseis. And, and Kreese is like... Of all the gin joints in the world, why'd you have to come to mine? There's um, no one like you. Um, and Silver says, this isn't my fight, not anymore. And it's like, dude, this was never your fight. This is also, like, such a strange thing because it's not really, like, a fight. It's just Kreese, like, unilaterally declaring war on a couple of other dojos for no reason that I can actually tell. I know, and I think... You also get a flashback of, I think this is when, when Silver leaves the, the dojo to go reflect upon his, his interaction with Kreese, but he's remembering that they got tattoos together. They got matching tattoos, yes. And young Silver is, is like, yo man, my, my pops is pressuring me to get into the family business, which is Dynatox. Mm-hmm. I mean, haven't we all been there? And, oh, yeah. I mean, we turned down many CEO ships in order to Otherwise, he'd be disinherited. So we already know, like, Silver was not going to turn away Dynatox money. No way. And you do see, like, in this scene, like, a bunch of things are established in this flashback. Like, first, after the war, Kreese and Silver are roommates. They're starting the Cobra Kai dojo together, or they're about to start it. They're getting matching tattoos. Uh, they're, like, yeah, they're they're very close and it seems like Terry also still has, like, in addition, to, like, so he wants to back out of, of the dojo because he has to take over the company. But, like, you also, like, get a glimpse that, like, he's not over what happened. Like, he still has, like, some lingering PTSD and his dad is just kind of like, get over it. Like, move on with yeah. your life. What do you think happened to their other war buddies? Well, the guy who actually did have a ponytail died, I think, right? Right. But... You know, they were in that pit with, like, others. Yeah, but, like, nobody felt that kind of gratitude to Crease. Like, the others aren't like, man, I would do anything for you my whole life. Like, the others just kind of left. And they're like, uh, we're rescued now, so bye. Have a nice <laughs> life. Yeah, and then they say, Crease says Cobra Kai, and then Silver responds, never dies. Which, you know, makes them us, yeah, essentially. Yeah, they really are. Let's do that from now on. <laughs> Am I Silver? Okay. Uh, I don't know. We gotta parse this. I, we gotta okay. parse this. But um, let's flashing back to the last scene with Terry Silver staring into the mirror. And it's just so perfect. It's like we're in a thriller or something and he's staring at himself. He takes a pill, a mystery pill. I mean, in my first watch, I thought it was Viagra, but Cheyenne is not there, so it would be Viagra for nothing. Sorry. <laughs> He's of an age. There's no shame in it, Nina. We are not going there. No shame. Podcast. Do not ED shame anybody. But now, on my second watch, I think it was probably some sort of antipsychotic because of reasons that become clear later. But uh, yes, but he takes his pill. He looks happy, but medicated. The reason I don't think it's a uh, psychotic pill is because, you know, in in those 60s flashbacks, when presumably he's unmedicated, but still post post-war he just looks kind of like scared and nervous and it, it almost feels like it's being around crease that like makes him think about the war and you know he said he's had therapy for like 
35 years or whatever. That's true. But, like, you know, medication, it can be a part of treatments that, like, turns out to be long-term. So I wouldn't be, like, shocked if, like, maybe he he was on something that he may stop taking at some point this season. But, Mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah. But I, I, I agree. Like, I'm not sure, like, what exactly the pill is. But it does, it is something that, like... I feel like it's in there intentionally. Like, right. Yeah. And then Cheyenne texts him and he's like, it was just, it was just a brief flash, but I did spot the word vegan and I was like, we just know she's never going to get oh, a response Cheyenne. back. Goodbye, Cheyenne. Nice knowing you. Next scene, final scene is momentous ponytail return. Oh. And it's, it's beautifully shot. So it's like slow-mo. He takes the elastic band out of the drawer. He lay, and then you see him like pulling his hair back. And it's such an iconic moment, like a superhero pulling on their cowl. And, you know, I was watching it and I realized like if, you know, just some casual viewer was watching this, they'd be like, okay, the guy put his hair on a I know. You, you had to be there, guys. You had to be and there. And we were. And, you know, it's interesting when you see his introduction because, you know, the second episode didn't really have any silver in it but the first episode when he's at that garden party or whatever and he's you know just around these guests it's like i get what crease is saying it's like you're there man but you're not really in the moment and then in this scene when he's looking at himself in the mirror and he's his hair is back in the ponytail it's like yeah you're back you're that man who like stalked a 15 year old boy who he really is (laughs) your best self it's a return your truest self yeah um, God, where to go from here? I know, right? You know, the Only one down, thing I was saying know. is, like, I really wish Mike Barnes had been in the dojo when, when he was, him and Kreese were, like, circling each other. Because Mike Barnes, also businessman, you know? Mike Barnes was not in it for the shenanigans. Mar- Mike Barnes was in it for the money. He was like, I was promised all these dojos. Instead, I have to watch this bullshit, and I have to, like, torture Daniel, mm-hmm. and, like, hang out on the cliffside, and just... It's just such a waste. Yeah, I mean, Mike Barnes, you're right. He he was just like, it wasn't malice that was making him do all that stuff. He was just like, I want some money. You know what? Being an ex-karate champion doesn't pay. Terry Silver, though, was totally just in it for the shenanigans. And you can tell he's like, I guess, a part of him, the part that didn't go to therapy and like get his life together, <laughs> misses those shenanigans that seem to go hand in hand with no increase, right? I know. Um... Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Mike Barnes some more because I do stay up at night wondering what became of him. I think uh, a little thing called season five should deal with that it for better. you. It better. It fucking better. I, not, Nina, I know what you're doing right now. You're just trying to put it out into the universe because I you am. did that about like silver, and then it happened. <laughs> the parental theories. I I just want some answers, guys. I just want I just want to talk. Um, what would your rating be? I mean. I was so delighted by that initial montage that that gets me, like, to three points already. Um, some of the other stuff, like, there's, like, some nice silver moments and, like, the Robbie and Kenny stuff is, like, is pretty good. Um, yeah, I'll give it, like, a 3.5 iconic ponytails. God damn you. <laughs> um, I'll say just the kind of growth that we've seen with Robbie and Terry Silver, like, two... Two characters that haven't gotten a lot of scenes. Like, Robbie has just been there for three seasons, just sitting around. And I finally was like, you know what? You have a purpose, finally. I can understand why you're on the show. They gave him a plot. It's so good. It's great. And after one whole episode of us missing Silver and we got young Silver, too? Are you kidding me? I'm giving So much Silver. I know. Right. Four out of five 
Matching tattoos. Wow. Well done. Well played. Indeed. Um, okay. We're on Twitter. So you can follow us at Kai underscore cast. I can't vouch for any content I might put out there, but you know what? We're, we're around. And you can email us at CobraKaiNeverDiesCast at gmail.com. Um, Lata? So before I do our customary ending... We gotta settle this. We gotta do it right now. Oh, God. Yeah. Which of us is the silver and which of us is the crease? I don't feel like the implications for either scenario is good. I mean, if you're the crease, you're like a a man of many talents and also occasionally homeless, but like mainly a man of many talents. I do think of myself that way. (laughs) Like sometimes I feel compelled to defend crease. And so I'm kind of sticking up for myself. Sure, I'll be crease. All right, and if you're a silver, you're a you're a debonair man who who walks a very thin line. Are you line listening to the stock market and... in Japanese? Yes, yes, I do. I can see you doing that. Well, I want to. I want to do that. Are you so. going to wear a ponytail for the duration of this pod? I can't pull it off as well as he can. It's true. No one really can. No. Um. Yeah. Make us some. Make us some Terry Silver memes, guys. There's a market for that. The world could always use more. <laughs> All right, as always, strike first. Strike hard. No mercy.